My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of these least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while on the way to court, Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go to Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to your ancestors, do not take a false oath, but make good to the Lord all that you vow. But I say to you, do not swear at all, not by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot make a single hair white or black. But your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more is from the evil one.
the gospel of the Lord. It's hard to believe that the, the film Les Miserables was released 11 years ago. I never saw the film, but I had seen the original Broadway production that it was based on, I think, twice when I was in high school and then when I was in college, which was over 25 years ago, which is even harder to believe. But the movie and the musical are both based on the classic Victor Hugo book that was first published back in 1862. And all these decades later, the story remains incredibly popular. When the movie premiered, I remember a group of students having gone to see it and were talking about it at this weekly forum we had at our university at Montclair State at the time that was called Conversations on Faith and Spirituality. The epic tale of Les Mis deals with so many stories that it can be hard to remember all the ins and outs of it. I think that the Broadway show was close to three hours, and when I Googled it, the movie was about two and a half, so there's a lot to digest in that. But just to refresh your memories a bit, one of the central stories and characters is Jean Valjean, who is freed from prison after being sentenced to 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread to feed his poor family. This kindly bishop takes the freed Valjean into his residence, providing him food and shelter. And in the middle of the night, Valjean steals the silverware from the bishop as he leaves. Not long after, he's caught by the police who bring him back to the bishop to confirm that this expensive silver couldn't have belonged to this recently paroled criminal. And the bishop shocks everyone, telling the police that he gave the silver to Valjean. And then he grabs silver candlesticks and says, you left so quick, you forgot I wanted you to have these also. For most of the students in that discussion group, this was their first time hearing the story. They might have known some of the songs from the musical, but they had never read the book or seen the show. So it was very interesting to hear their critiques and their takes on things. And what was most interesting, or rather most memorable to me, and left the biggest impression, was hearing the students describing Valjean as this heroic figure and skipping the redemption part. Well, what do I mean? Well, they felt that his stealing the bread was justified, as was his stealing the silverware from the bishop, because it was not right that he was sentenced to 19 years in prison for stealing bread in the first place. And I remember saying to them, well, we can agree on that, but what about stealing from the bishop? And they were convinced that it's not an issue. You see, Valjean deserved to steal that after what happened to him. And why does the church have expensive stuff like that anyway? And even the bishop agreed, that's why he covered for him. The whole episode came to mind as I was praying with these scriptures because there's a growing tendency whether you look in the public square or even in the church sometimes to minimize sin to think that one's bad behavior is not a big deal and there's a lot of reasons for that and we can all think of plenty of examples whether those in leadership whether elected or ordained who, even when caught doing things that are illegal or immoral, 
dismiss it saying that it's their critics who are just using this to make some sort of an attack on them as if what they did wrong was excusable or it's none of anyone else's business. That they're public people who deserve some privacy. So just ignore the illegal, immoral behavior. And that filters down to those not in the public eye, but in our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces and classrooms. We know people who lie and cheat and steal and commit other immoral acts and then blame it on on stress. Times are tough, arguing everyone else does it. And we might even find ourselves having some of those thoughts thinking they're as convincing as well and doing things we never imagined we would do before. In this podcast for the Catechism in a Year the other day, Father Mike Schmitz was talking about this survey that was done some years ago that was focusing particularly on younger people and their spiritual lives. And what they found, whether the person was Catholic or Protestant or Jewish, was that their image of God kind of was reduced to what was described as this moralistic, therapeutic deity. Meaning, they believe God's good, he wants everyone just to be nice, everyone goes to heaven when they die, and God's there to help you if you want him to, but otherwise he kind of stays out of your life and just leaves you alone. And I think that mentality has grown for a lot of people in all age groups in recent years. We as Catholic Christians have allowed too much of our secular culture to seep in and for us to accept that. Because that theory is not based on anything from Scripture and that completely undermines who Jesus is, what he has said and what he does for us. And today's Scriptures makes that point especially clear. That first reading from Sirach is so simple and powerful direct. The sacred author starts out very frankly saying, if you choose, you can keep the commandments. They will save you. Talk about a mic drop. That one sentence obliterates all the excuses, all the justifications, all the loopholes and the double speak that we encounter. I have this image of my father who when my older brothers and I were messing around would just give us the look and say, cut it out. And that's kind of what Sirach is saying. We can choose not to sin. We can make better choices. We know how often we're, we're encountering the fork in the road where we have to decide whether to go one way or the other. And we have to be honest with ourselves about that. I have a choice. And that choice has ramifications in this world and in the next. And that's that second part of that sentence. Following God's commandments will save you. Will save you from what? (laughs) From punishment, from hell, from extra time in purgatory. Yes, we still believe in those things. Jesus' mission is to save us from sin, to save us from hell. We can't ever forget that. That being said, though, that's not to get people overly obsessed to the point that they believe the second that they commit a sin, they're in danger of going to hell. That was the impression that my parents and my grandparents had. It's probably why my father's cut it out was so effective. He had the voice down really well. 
I remember hearing my parents saying that they used to be so anxious about missing Sunday Mass, convinced that if they died that week, they were going to hell, that they made sure they were at confession as soon as possible. That's going to the other extreme, where, where people hyperventilate over the most venial of sins. And then they can also become overly self-righteous and critical. Following God's law saves us, not just from those eternal realities. God's law saves us now. Saves us from ourselves. Saves us from mediocrity and lukewarmness. Saves us from living less than joyful, fulfilled lives here and now. Saves us from committing bigger sins. The overemphasis that, that characterized previous generations over sin and hell and all the fear and the guilt and the shame that was attached to that is one of the reasons that many in the church were concerned that, that people were becoming too much like the Pharisees who seemed maniacally focused on the law and the rules and the externals. But in trying to be a bit more mature in understanding about the, the matters of faith and, and how we live our lives, some took that to mean that everything was negotiable, that nothing was a sin. And that's just as incorrect as the other extreme. It's one reason that we see so many people who are lost and confused and, and disengaged from God. That's why today's gospel is so important. In truth, the notion that Jesus doesn't care about all those laws that the Pharisees were so obsessed over couldn't be further from the truth. Because what Jesus does is actually make things harder than the Pharisees had been advocating. As Jesus went through all those examples, think about what he was saying. He doesn't say, for example, the commandment, you shall not kill, doesn't matter. That it's open to interpretation like we see in our day and age, in our country and in our state. Where the most innocent in the womb and the most vulnerable who are sick and scared are threatened by abortion and assisted suicide. Jesus doesn't dismiss God's commandment at all or say that it's open to, to loopholes or justifications. Instead, he goes deeper. He goes to the root of all destruction of life. And he says that when we're angry, when we hold on to that anger, when we refuse to even consider forgiveness and reconciliation, that's the breeding ground for murder and for the destruction of all life. We're not just to prevent the killing of human beings and condemn those who commit such atrocities. We have to look into our own hearts and prevent the very seeds that give life to those actions before they ever take root. Jesus isn't dismissing anything but calling us higher. He's basically saying that the externals are important, but even more important are the internal transformations. And when we as Christians believe that and act that way, it not only transforms us, but helps transform the world and make us more like Christ himself and participate in his very mission. Cardinal George Pella, who recently passed away, once said, the mission of the church is to bring God's mercy to the world. That can only happen when we're serious about sin and those evil choices that every one of us is tempted to commit and sometimes do fail and fall, and that we've experienced that mercy in our own lives. 
That's what I was trying to share with those students about Les Miserables. The fact that the, the bishop not only forgave Valjean's criminality in response to his, his kindness, and then goes above and beyond and goes and gives him more silver, that's not because the bishop was being nice. It's not because Valjean deserved it, despite all the awful things that might have happened in his life up till that point. The point of it was that the bishop knew what it meant to be saved, where he could remember when he was loved in his failures, embraced in his brokenness, and not just forgiven, but experiencing God's mercy, where the bishop experienced reconciliation with God, which is undeserved. It's a love that's extravagant and is overwhelming. It's a love that has to change us and inspire us to change the world. And when we recognize the urgency of Jesus' greatest commandment, to love one another as I have loved you, we realize that Jesus' love isn't him being nice and telling us to be nice. It's his passion, death on the cross, and his resurrection. And that puts everything into proper perspective. Because we realize that's a lot harder than all the externals that so often occupy a lot of discussion and focus. But Jesus walks with us in our attempts to follow him. He gifts us with his very presence in this his word and in his body and blood that we receive in the Eucharist from this altar to nourish us on our journeys. He pours his Holy Spirit upon us to continue to gift us with all the, the gifts and graces that we need to navigate all those different forks in the road, he still offers us his mercy when we humbly acknowledge our failures, our sins, and we go to confession and receive absolution. When we recognize all these realities, we can attest, like that sacred author, if you choose, you can keep the commandments and they will save you.